Well, good morning. Good morning. Are we awake? All right. What a what a wonderful, awesome time of worship uh, this morning. And it, I could I could I could hear you. I could hear you. And I I, I could tell I could tell that that we are just so ready um, to to be in God's presence. We know we're in God's presence. Amen. Well, as we uh, transition over to the teaching time, I just, I just want to clue you in something about me, um, something that perhaps you, you might be able to tell visually, but you just didn't know, you know, truthfully, and that is I love bread. <laughs> in fact, I'm going to show you why I love bread this morning, to, to tell you the truth, so so we've got a little a little visual to, 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 help, to help that out this morning, okay? So here's what I have. And it's because God has blessed me with such a wonderful woman. Let me, let me, get, let me get prepared for you all. No, this is not my bag. This is my wife's bag, just so you know there. No funny business there. All right, so this is what? This is a bread maker. Oh, can you already see it? I'm, I'm smelling it, right? Okay, I, I love, I love my bread, right? Okay, hold on, I, yeah, I got to do this, right? Hold on. I got to make sure that I do this right, okay? So let's, uh, let's, get my, let's get the gator out, okay? All right, so I, I love my bread. Now, let's see here. Okay, oh, 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 oh yes, oh yeah, I tell you, the Lord is good, isn't he? Absolutely, okay, now, bread is good, isn't it? Bread is good, it's fresh, fresh bread, especially, look at that, Marsha even brought me bags to be able to, be able to, well, as, oh, get this off here, that, that, can you hear it? Now, this is my favorite part, this part right here. This, the, yes, right? Amen. This is the best part. And you know, it's really good. Oh, who, who likes it like this? Like, right? With a little olive oil, right? Get a little, get a little olive oil in there. Right, right, right. Just a little bit more, right? Yeah. I can't. It's church. I can't. I, what is it? I can't be gluttonous, right? Sun-dried tomato herb. Oh, oh, that smells so good. Look at y'all are sitting there, and I am abusing you all because you know what I'm going to do, right? I'm going to take this sucker. I'm going to put it in there. Oh yeah, it's it's abuse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, that's good. That's good stuff right there. Bread is good, isn't it? I don't know why I'm tying this up. Look at that. Oh man. Now, don't you wish we had communion like this, right? Yeah, I'll dip it in that in that in that cup right there, right? Oh man, look at that! Oh, my wife is so good at baking me bread. I had somebody at the house the other night, and I had her break. Look at that! Oh, look at that! And we used it to sop up our lasagna sauce, didn't we? Can I hear, let me hear that amen over there. That's right. That's right. Oh, it was so good. I'm just going to leave that right there because that looks good, doesn't it? Let me prop that up just right. Look at that. Did I make my point? Bread is good, amen? 
Bread is good. You know, I like being silly every now and then, but, you know, and oh, yeah. And in, in case you want to come up later, I got some real butter here. If you'd rather just uh, spread some of that on here, that'll be right there for you later on, okay? I love my bread. And in fact, what happens, I'm still chewing. What happens in my house is that when, when uh, the kids go to bed at night, Daddy gets his butter and the bread and eats the rest of the loaf at night. And that's why I have the nice physique that I have, you know. But I love my bread. And now look at that. I have this whole loaf. You got to eat this because I've already eaten one loaf this weekend. Now, I love my bread. Bread is good. But here's the thing. Once you've eaten it, you're going to become what again later? You're going to be, well, either sick or hungry. It just depends on how much of it you ate, right? You're going to, be, you're going to become hungry again. You're going to become hungry again. And, and that's, well, that's what we're looking at today in John chapter 6. How Jesus knew how to take a common everyday event like eating bread and how he knew how to take that and to apply it to himself to give a better understanding of who he is, of our relationship to him or what our relationship with him needs to be like. In context of our passage today in John chapter 6, this is exactly what Jesus does. He calls himself bread. And with that, he's got my attention. Because, as you know, I love bread. So, before we read the passage in, in John 6, let's look quickly at a couple of the events that take place before the I am the bread passage. The first thing that we see at the beginning of John 6 is Jesus doing what? Jesus feeding the 5,000, right? He's taught, for, uh, taught all day. Everybody's hungry. So he takes, what, five loaves and two fishies? And he multiplies it before their eyes and he feeds them. Now we know that he fed more than 5,000 on that day because the custom was just to count the men. This, if we, they counted the men and the women and the children, probably 15, 15, 18, 20,000 were there that day. The event we recognize is much grander than what we tend to limit it to with 5,000. The second event that takes place, you see there in verse 16, especially if you have headings in your Bible, is when Jesus does what? He walks on water, right. He walks on water. The disciples get into the, into the boat, begin to cross. When it gets dark, Jesus goes walking to them. They think it's a ghost. He tells them to fear not. And uh, he teaches his disciples something about him. So these are the two major common events that, that, that we recognize. We know these stories. They're told often. And, and we're accustomed to them. We know, we're familiar with them. We know what they are. And now, beginning down in about verse 25, we see Jesus being approached by that great crowd. <laughs> by this great hungry crowd. It's morning. They're hungry. It's time to eat again. And uh, Jesus, being the master teacher that he is, Jesus took the opportunity to teach them something about himself. But this was an overnight. This was a two-parter. Part one was the day before. Now here's part two to the message to them. He's, and now they're ready. They're saying, now we're ready to eat breakfast. Where's Jesus? Let's go find him. And this is what... This is what they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? And in verse 26, I tell you the truth, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. 
Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. So, so Jesus used the previous night's meal to make a point and to kind of like hook them in. And now he's ready to really bring things around, full circle for them. Most of us, pretty much all of us, spend the majority of our life doing a couple of things. And one of them is eating. Because we like to eat, right? It's just so funny that as, I, as we were in the hallway, I was having conversation with someone. And here's what the conversation was. So, have you found a favorite restaurant yet? <laughs> it's great. It worked perfectly into today, didn't it? Because, uh, yeah, because that's what we do. We like to talk about well, where we're going to eat today. What's for supper, Grandma? Right? Yeah, yeah. And, and stuff. We, we spend the majority of, of our time eating or planning to eat or what, what, how we're going to get off our fill. And there are other ways that we try to get our fill. We spend not only a lot of our time worrying about what we're going to eat and, and what it's, what, you know, what it's gonna be, where it's going to be at or what it's going to be, but we also spend the majority of our time with things like education, career prep, learning a trade, working, you know, all, we spend our time doing all these other things so that we can do what? Well, really enjoy life, have life and have it to its full. And we get invested and we spend our time doing this and that and the other, preparing, learning, and working, doing those three things. And then after working, well, retiring, right? And we, and we, we, we work and we we work and we get our paycheck and we, and we try to, you know, have the things, you know, that we want to have or that we think we need to have. And we, and we fill up, you know, with our, with our houses and our, and our materials and all of that sort of stuff. But in the end, are we ever truly satisfied? There's always a bigger television There's always something bigger. Oh, yeah, do you see that? You, you, I have to stay out of Best Buy now. I have to stay away from those places now. I think now I've, I may have finally arrived at the size of television that I want. It looks good in the living room, right, Marsha? I think, okay. I got it at Goodwill. I got it at Goodwill. And that, I, now, how many of you would buy a TV at Goodwill? Well, I, 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 I jumped at the chance for this TV because it was... It was nice. And I said, okay, for a goodwill price, I will pay that price. <laughs> but there's always something bigger. There always is something better. We're always working for that end. Working to be able to put food on the table. Working to provide needs. That's one thing. But what about satisfaction or fulfillment in life? And knowing that what we are spending our time doing actually means something. Here's what Jesus said in verse 27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. What, what Jesus says in effect is we are all hungering for something. We are all hungering for something. The people here in this moment, they were hungry for breakfast. 
But Jesus knew that they were actually hungering for something more than what they thought. Jesus had met a physical need the night before, but that hunger returned, and he used that, as the master teacher, he used that to elaborate on their truest need. So just consider some of the things that that we tend to crave for. Some of the things especially, I would say, I wanted to say and just put this on us on the younger generation, but I even think those in my generation are hungering for. And at the top of the list, I think we would all agree at the top of the list, it's attention. Attention is what we crave. I think that those in in my generation or younger, that they crave attention because it's not something that their parents were able to give them because they were too busy, both of them, working unbelievable hours to provide for their children what they think they need their children needed. And their children lost something, missed something in the process. Just take a look at what people rely on when it comes to social media and Instagram and the things that they post. And what we find, especially when people start hating on one's post and the psychological effects that that has on that person not receiving the attention that they were hoping to get or not getting the number of likes on, on a picture. You know, they doll themselves up and they take these photos and they go to these elaborate places and they take these photos and they post them online and, and they're hungering for people to like, like, like me. Say something nice about me. Tell me I'm beautiful. Tell me I, I have value. Tell me I'm important. And we, we have, in the last 10 years, 10 or so years, we have definitely raised up, we have raised up a generation or two of people that rely on this for their value and their acceptance and their meaning. But people think on social media, people that you don't even know, people that might even be trolling you on the other side of the globe, just because they found your photo some, somehow and they want to say something negative about you. To call out that imperfection or that blemish or that thing about you that they don't like. And for some people, their world is over. We have to recognize, understand that, that that's, that's where we have gone, what we have become in our society is that we care more about what's happening on here than we do with what's in here. Amen? We have more people looking for that love and that acceptance and their value and their meaning and their purpose in life on social media. This, this is a relic to them. We need to recognize it. We need to understand that people have a hole in their heart. People in our community, people in, uh, people in here even, as was witnessed 
in the tragic events in Atlanta this week. People crave or craving for something. We put so much stock in what others think about us that it, it lays an incredible burden or weight on some too much that they can handle. Others have gotten themselves into such a trap, hungering and trying to fill that hole in their life that, that they do in codependencies, relationships, jumping from one relationship to another because this relationship is no longer meeting my need and then jumping to the next. In drugs, in alcohol, in another, in another dose, in another injection. And in, in many re- ways, it's because of, of the circle that they've gotten themselves into, the people that they've surrounded themselves with and what they're telling them they need to do in order to be full. Some have become so confused as to how wonderfully made they are that they've turned from their design in order to make themselves into something that they're not. And they no longer even see their beauty as to how they were born and to how they were fashioned. And the world is touting and applauding these out-of-the-ordinary cravings. And many have become confused. Confused in ways that they shouldn't be. And we're seeing even from those who represent us in our own government. How to push these agendas onto our children. There's a craving deep within our souls. We're trying to figure it out. Trying to figure this world out. Trying to figure our place in this world out. And we're turning to the wrong source to get the answers. I believe that the church needs to realize, come, have a come to Jesus meeting when it comes to, to, to this subject. And especially in how we're relating to our children and our teenagers and our young adults and young families. We can't just tell people they need to be in church because it isn't church that fills their need. Right now they have no need for church. Let's talk about that a little bit. Why do people turn to religious cults and take part in out-of-this-world type of practices and rituals, taking on these drugs that, that change who they are genetically? Why? It's because there truly is an emptiness, a void that they're trying to discover, trying to figure out. And... I I can't give a simplistic answer to this. This isn't a simplistic one. But it's the best one I could think of to share. And that is that we are more. That we are more than we understand. Even for those of us that think that, that we've got a good grasp on things, 
there is still more to us than we understand when it comes to faith and religion. There is more to it than the Pharisees even understood. There is more to it than fundamentalists understand. There is more to it than most of us think we've got it all together and all understood in, in our hip pocket. We are more than we understand, more than we acknowledge. And we need to make certain that the influences we've allowed to speak into our lives are speaking on behalf of the Lord and not on behalf of the world. Because the world is going to lead us astray, make us selfish, make us more confused. We are flesh and bone, but we are also spirit and soul. And there's one thing that this world does not understand. It's the spirit and soul aspect to who we are. And I would dare say the same is true for the most part, even within the church. Because that's why we are to be people of prayer and people of the, word, of the word as we try to figure it out. Because we are still figuring it out. We can try with all our might to satisfy the cravings of the flesh. We can seek entertainment to our heart's content. We can seek satisfaction in as many ways as the world offers. But as the great theologian once said, and I try, and I try, and I try, and I try, but I can't get no satisfaction. And then we turn to things that we think will satisfy or the things the world tells us will satisfy that will give us meaning only to find that there is a deeper hole there that needs to be filled with something even further. And then we go down that proverbial rabbit hole to the next thing the world promises, to the next thing our friends, the next thing the flesh hungers or craves for, only to find that we're further lost than when we started on this journey. Why is dep depression the most common mental issue in the world today? It's because we're going nuts trying to figure this out. And no, it isn't the same today as when most of you were growing up. It isn't as black and white as it was at one time. And we as a church, we need to, be, we need to have a compassion for that. Our hearts need to break over what we're seeing happening in our society today. And I mean break to the point of action, not to the point of gossip and talk. Jesus knew the world could not fill their need. Jesus knew that. As I mentioned earlier, we seek to, to fill that hole with whatever means we can. Ways that everyone tells us is, is the way to find meaning, the, the way to find your purpose, your reason for living. And our culture has taught us that the number of likes we receive give us that meaning. Or we look at those who are receiving that kind of fame and desire to be like them. And we see that on television and on some of those 
channels that we we want to try to delete off of our cable subscription because they are so vain and it's so disheartening to see and so what we do see is suicide rates increase we see teen pregnancy rates on the rise we see personal debt on the rise right now you know the Average debt for someone is $20,000 in credit card debt. It's average. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, mine's a little bit worse than that. But there's something to that that we need to recognize and discover. And we need to, we need to wonder why are my credit cards like that? I've asked myself that a lot of times. I blame Disney, but anyway. But we tend to have this desire, this hunger to be or to keep up with the Joneses or heaven help us like the Kardashians. Jesus saw a group beginning to attach themselves to him for the wrong reasons in this passage. But he knew it was going to happen. And that's why he fed into it the night before because he knew he was going to teach them something about this the next day. That's why he said, you are looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate your loaves and had your fill. He, he knew what they wanted was a handout. It's what we call a handout. That's what they were looking for was another handout. It seems that our world refuses to accept the correlation between giving handouts and enabling people to continue on the path they're on. Here's your welfare check. See you next month. What we have built is an entitlement society. Instead of, here, let me pull you up out of the pit and help, let, let's, let's brush this dust off of you and let's get you back to society. And we have conditioned ourselves in America to believe that all we need is another check. Thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars in checks. And to get to us to the point to where we are so far in debt, there is no way we're going to be able to get ourselves out of debt nationally. No way at all. And then we wonder why when you take it down to the personal level, our finances are in the state that they're in. Listen to this, verse 30. So they asked him, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see and believe in you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You see, they're so focused on the handout. And Jesus has them exactly where he wants them. Because he's what? The master teacher. He knew what he was doing when he fed them the night before. They had heard the stories of what God had given their ancestors in the desert. But you know what they forgot? That as soon as they stepped foot into the promised land, as they crossed the Jordan, what happened to that manna? 
It didn't fall anymore. Jesus said to them, verse 32, I tell you the truth, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven. So it's not some, some earthly figure that has given you this handout, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. You see, still, the focus is on themselves. What can you do for me, Jesus? And Jesus declared, verse 35, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. See, the world teaches us that if we would just do A, B, and C, then we will, we will enjoy life. We'll have life to the full. But have you noticed that A, B, and C continuously changes? A, B, and C is different. And, it's, and we're not talking from generation to generation anymore. We're talking almost decade from decade, year to year. A, B, and C is constantly changing, ridiculously changing. But there is one thing that is forever. You will always be hungry in life until you turn to Jesus. You will always be searching for something, something to give your life meaning until you give that life to Jesus. You will always be looking for something to give you value, some person, some relationship, some job, some career, but you won't find it until you look for it in Jesus. Until then, your soul will always be hungry, empty, lacking. There will always be a craving because we are more than flesh and bone. We are spirit and soul. And until we begin connecting the two, until we begin realizing how those two work in conjunction, and until we bow our knee to the maker and creator of that flesh and bone, soul and spirit, there will always be an emptiness, always be a craving. So now here's where we get to the good news. Good news is always good. What must we do, they ask Jesus. In verse 47, he tells them. He says, I'm telling you the truth now. Here it is. I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate the manna in the desert, yet they died. But here's the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Jesus alone fills what the world fails to. The people Jesus had fed the night before wanted to be fed again. Fed the same way they had been fed the night before. Notice that they weren't. They weren't fed in the same way, in the same fashion. Little did they know that Jesus had set them up to learn something about life. 
Jesus said, God's done you one better. One better than that manna your ancestors ate. He's given you a bread that will provide for all time. And I am that bread. I mean, do you really want to have to get up every morning, find and collect up all that manna, prepare and eat it before it spoils every single day like that? I am all the manna you will ever need, is what Jesus said. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood, this is verse 54, has eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. What he is saying there isn't, doesn't have anything to do with uh, cannibalism. But he's saying that I am your true sustenance. I am your true filling. He was talking about their truest need, their truest hunger. One each and every person who has ever walked and will ever walk on this planet has. That hole in the heart, the one we spend our entire lives trying to fill, filled with work, career, relationships, codependencies, acceptance, tweets, Instagram, and the like. And it's a spiritual hunger. And until you come to terms with that spiritual hunger, and until you come to terms with it being found in Jesus Christ, in Jesus Christ alone, your life will continue to be empty. You will continue to crave for something. And depending upon who is your influence, your life will end meaningless and empty. Jesus is saying that we need to fill ourselves with him to let him be our satisfaction, to let him be what gives us our value, to let him be the relationship that will be forever of that individual who will never walk away from us, to let what he thinks of us give us our sense of worth, to recognize that he makes me who I am not the hundred or so likes I get online. Now, I, I want you to understand, especially those in our older generation, I know that sounds ridiculous. It, it, it does, doesn't it? You, it? you can be honest. It sounds so far-fetched. But we have children committing suicide over this. We have connected our meaning and our value to the wrong things. And if you are here and you recognize this is an issue in your life, if you are online and you've come across this and you, and you agree that you are hungering for something and you just can't figure it out. I've heard before, try Jesus. No, there is no trying there's do or do not. There is no try with Jesus. There is only Jesus when it comes to this. And he says so here. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. And he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And here's the thing about that word belief. When you take it 
in its Greek context. It isn't just a head knowledge. It's a head knowledge followed through in belief, in action, in trust. It's not just saying, I know it. It's knowing and living your life based on it. Each and every time you see that word in the New Testament, that Greek word means exactly that. It's having the head knowledge, it's having the truth, and then living your life based on that truth. Until we recognize that, yes, we are spirit and soul, if not more so than flesh and bone. Your spirit will always be hungry. You want acceptance? Jesus can give you that. You feel alone, he promises he will never leave you nor forsake you. You feel lost, he knows how to put lives back on track. Don't know why you're here, confused, he has the answer to that too. But you must believe. Stake your entire life. Put all of it into his word. And he will give you a spirit that will make your life full. He will give you a bread that you will never grow hungry again. He asks you, pull up to his table and eat. Will you this morning? Let's pray.